Hi, welcome to this uh, version of our podcast. Um, I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellen. And yes. um, we're doing something a little bit different in this one. We're looking back to look forward. So 2023 had some remarkable events that affected our business, probably affected your business. And so we we think a little bit of reflection and then some of the ahas or oh no's that we can take forward. So Tom, I'm going to, and by the way, we don't know what each other, this is kind of, we like to surprise each other. So this is a surprise for us too. I have no idea what Tom's going to say, but I'll have a comment. Go ahead, Tom. It's an honor to go first. Thank you. Uh, we didn't really say, you know, what these stories, like the, the the litmus test of what stories we would talk about should be, whether it be like news value or whatever. So the way I went about it is, is I picked the top stories that I thought would impact our clients the most. And so I have three of them. I'm going to talk about one of them right now. We'll see if, how many of them we get to is we're going to do kind of a round robin thing. But I'm the first one is just because I talked about it earlier in the year is Disney plus just about the past Netflix in terms of subscribers. I thought that was big news and very, very surprising news, but really relevant to the typical B2B type of client that we have, even though Disney plus and Netflix are B2C stories. What I thought was really interesting about it was that, first of all, Disney, with its world-class content, could have just simply taken the easy route and licensed its content to Netflix or Hulu or other providers. But what it decided to do was to leverage its brand, take control, and go direct to consumers with its own platform, basically. And the reason I think that is so newsworthy for our clients who are in B2B industries is almost every single one of them ask us the question, is it time, have we reached a time in uh, marketing and in the world where a B2B product that might not have superior name recognition with end users like patients in the medical device world, should we begin promoting our products direct to patients so they ask for our medical device by name? I mean, that's kind of an analogy for numerous industries that we work in. And I think that this, you know, this kind of story uh, actually is a, um, a harbinger of, of things to come that this might it might be time to consider making an investment in direct to consumer uh, advertising and pull through demand if you are um, you know a B2B. So that, that was my story. What do you guys think about all of that? An interesting. We we did talk about that. Obviously, a lot of these stories we've talked about on previous podcasts. But I think the it's that that key how it transfers to B two B as I see it is 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 the, the content that you own. You know, are you how do you distribute for for maximum return? Do you have a sort of closed system where people get the product from you? Do you share it more widely? And what do you gain and what do you give up when considering those strategies? And I think for Disney, they could have they got a probably the biggest content library out there, pre-existing content and licensing, licensing it across multiple platforms would arguably give them a, a, a larger stream of income in the short term, but they were also considering the future and distribution has always been key in, in entertainment. And I think they also see an opportunity to torpedo 
their rivals because people like Netflix, which are primarily distribution as opposed to manufacturing or producing, they, they are producing a lot more now, but they don't have the back catalog. So I think there's also that whole, when is it right to 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 choose your distribution model? How, how much do you keep in-house? How much do you keep? They couldn't have open source. And I thought that was an interesting decision that Disney had to take in terms of taking both the short-term pra pragmatic but the long-term strategic view, which is what a lot of people face when they consider these things, particularly now distribution infrastructures for all sorts of products and services are much more open and accessible than than historically they have been. So I thought it's a really interesting story with lots of, uh, lots of impact. Yeah, I... Um... I actually like the the point you made, Sean, about the timing. Um, Disney has been around since at least, you know, we've been kids. <laughs> and yeah. uh, for them to decide now is always a big question. You know, when you have a company, when is it the right time? Um, and they probably have more content and IP than than most. But, you know, even in a B2B, there's a lot of IP. I'm going to piggyback on that with my favorite one, which is Taylor Swift, because she seems to be the queen of IP and differentiation, especially for 2023. She did everything different. And, you know, I love when when there's fresh thinking that goes into an age old industry, you know, like movies, you know, she went direct to AMC. She didn't use a distributor. She took back control of her IP. She said, no, the, you know, somebody bought it that she didn't want to have the rights. And so she's re-recording her six albums. She repurposed her, um, her concert into a movie and made a million dollars on that or more. So she's, she just keeps figuring it out and doing it so different. And I think that that translates to B2B where you have IP, how do you repurpose it? How do you play that game different? If you have distributors, are they still adding value or is it time to pull back the control and look for a fresh new way? So I like that that freshness that she's bringing to the whole economy. I think it's interesting also. Go ahead, Tom. No, I, I responded first to yours. So you, I think the rules are you respond first to Mary. Let's, let's, keep, uh, let's keep some order. Let's not have chaos. I'll, I'll be quick. How does Taylor Swift relate to B2B? Well, I think what she found is a way to debundle, unbundle her full value proposition with the movie, right? The movie was the camera following around and 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 uh, now for the price of a movie ticket rather than the price of a Taylor Swift, full price of a Taylor Swift concert, you can um, gain pretty close to the same experience. So um, I think that's the lesson there for, for B2B from Taylor, Taylor Swift is how can you debundle your offerings to meet maybe um, uh, different price points, lower price points that may be uh, being demanded from you by your customers? I think it's interesting that both examples so far really are similar in as much as distribution, right? How do you get your ip your product your your unique offering to as many people and it's it's always better you've, you've got to be hard nosed and analytical about these decisions if you're an artist like taylor swift i can totally see why there's a inherent value in controlling every aspect of how you reach your fans i i get that 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 would have an intrinsic value that wouldn't necessarily apply to B2B, but in B2B, you really have to ask yourself, you, you've got to maximize the return on whatever it is you have unique access to, your intellectual property or, or your product, and maximizing that 
used to be dead simple. You'd produce, someone else would distribute, and someone else would wholesale, if you like, or somebody else would 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 manage your, your sales in a different country. Technology has continued to make those channels much more open, and that just forces the decision to be made very consciously. Even just because you can doesn't mean you should. So always make sure you've got a, a, a pretty hard-nosed approach to what is the best for your business in terms of how to distribute. Don't, don't We're not all artists. We can't all have that vanity angle. We've got to also think pragmatically, where do we maximize that? Yeah, but it, like you said, you know, if, if, if you are in a business relationship and you reevaluate where the value is coming from, you know, she Absolutely. got 57% um of the rights with amc and you know cost 15 million to make the movie and they're over 200 million now on the movie so yeah you know she's doing something right oh um, some some deals just write themselves don't they some deals like hang on i'm i'm the product here and and this is you know i'm going to get my fair share and it's also down traditionally everyone extracts their rent for the the service they add you've made a great movie mr demille we'll distribute it through our cinemas and here's the here's the deal that we'll do because we know we're adding value. As soon as you start saying, actually, you know what? Your value is no longer unique or it's, it's replaceable. It's, it challenges that whole distribution model. So you're right. You've got to have a sense of where the power lies and then use that to maximize your, uh, your income stream. So yeah. yeah, Sean, what's your, what's your story? So we have Disney and Taylor. Well, I, I'm actually, I've got a broad topic. I was thinking thematically with some examples. So let me give you the theme first. And the example is a fairly recent one for those who listen to us regularly. Uh, the theme is return to intimacy. And what I mean by that is COVID and uh, the, the pandemic generally changed working practices, changed business practices in terms of remoteness, in terms of dealing at arm's length. We have Zoom and Teams calls for a lot of the work that we do. Um, and we'd already been moving towards a, a non-retail online shopping environment for a lot of products, particularly consumer products. Um, and we recently talked about Barnes and Noble and how they were almost a counter trend. They were adding physical stores and increasing their their retail footprint on the high street or in the shopping mall. And I was thinking, well, that's an interesting story that for every trend, there's a counter trend and people wanted the 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 tangible intimacy of a bookstore of a coffee cup and a sofa and talking to knowledgeable librarians or or booksellers and and just that experience of browsing a book physically lifting off the shelf flicking through and i think it's just indicative of a broader trend which i think will have a sort of hybrid model yes there's efficiency in shopping online you click on Amazon, your package arrives the next day, everyone's happy, but you haven't taken time while you're at the mall to go for a coffee or meet up with friends. Same with business meetings. You know, when we run sessions online, they're very, very efficient. Nobody got on a plane. No one stayed in a hotel. No one has tied up their calendar for three days to go through a workshop. All that's good. But we know that the dynamic of a group in a room together the sidebar conversations, the physicality, the little bit of theater that goes with explaining stuff is totally missing. And people are recognizing that now. Yeah, we've all enjoyed the efficiencies, but we're losing something of effectiveness generally. And I think that the, the trend that we're seeing with Barnes & Noble, which is the story I picked, 
can be expanded into this idea of a return to intimacy of human contact and it becomes a premium once we've done away with it for efficiency it now becomes a luxury and a premium so people should always be thinking how do we introduce the human contact the touch element if you like into transactions that's the story i chose what do you guys think i think the the one of the things that we talked about in the barnes and noble article that we wrote on our website that relates to and builds on what you're saying, Sean, people should check it out, is this strategy that is called the opposite good. In other words, what you know, Barnes & Noble, in essence, is doing is taking a look at what Amazon owns, which is you know, the world's biggest bookstore, broadest selection possible, you know, quick. And, and what's, what is the opposite good of that? Well, that can seem sterile. Um, you know, the, the experience of doing business with Amazon can seem sterile and, and not so human. So the opposite good of that is, you know, high touch, you know, come in, stay a while, sit on the couch. I think that uh, brings with it, that whole idea of that opposite good brings with it a full range of opportunities for anybody in a B2B market with a considerable competitor. It forces you to really, first of all, look at what is it that your competitor owns that's good? What do people count on um, for your toughest competitors? What 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 word or phrase do they associate with that competitor? And, and, and you have to you, you know, look at look at them in an unbiased way to find out, well, what is the, the good thing that they own? But but is there an opposite of that? You know, or, you know, first of all, maybe what's the, the negative connotation of, of being big and massive might be impersonal. Is there an opportunity to own the opposite of that? Um, and, and is that a way that you might be able to position your product differently or create an entire experience around that that is very different from what your key competitor owns, but also very effective? Yeah. yeah. I think that that's a really good point, Tom. And that's always um, a good innovation tool is to think opposite good. The other thing about intimacy is you cannot be intimate without segmentation. I mean, it's just, and that's what I love about that Barnes and Noble story as well, is that they've gotten back to the customer. Um, you know, contrast that with Bed Bath & Beyond. They're, they fizzled because they lost the customer in there. But what... Um, allowed Barnes and Noble to, to survive is they went and said now at a local level, uh, they can create whatever, you know, they can feature certain books that are appropriate for that market. And I think that that's going to continue to provide that intimacy that you can only get if you understand the needs of your customer. So I think mm -hmm. the Barnes and Noble is like the perfect story. You know, it, it has a good guy that comes in the white, you know, the knight in shining armor, he comes in and he saves them and they get to open up 30 more stores. And there's this, you know, big Goliath that's still hanging over them and they're doing well. So I love that story of Barnes and Noble. And Did how you have that as one of your three as well, Mary? Yes, of course. Because I did too. It's kind of, I wonder if that's just recency because we uh, just talked about it a couple of weeks ago or if we all just really felt, I mean, I think we all really felt that it was a significant implication to that story. Yeah, I did think I'm it quiet. was, I think you're, you're right with the recency. That's why I really wanted to broaden it out because I guess that we'd all have given it some thought. And I think there's just that broader theme. And it, it's not just within 
the offer, but but how businesses work, you know, remote working, there's been a trend towards bringing it back. I know I have a lot of friends who run relatively small businesses and they were feeling good about letting their premises go and having everybody work remotely. And gradually they're all realizing that while that works in the very short term, because the workload that needs doing gets done, but as it comes to developing the business and bringing on new customers, bringing on new employees, all that stuff, it stops working. And it just shows, obviously, that's more of an operational issue, but it does show that that human-to-human contact is such a natural part of how we live and work that never forget it in your value proposition, whether it's a bookstore that says people want to browse. But for every business, think about where does that human contact come even if it means yeah we can use ai on our on our chatbots to solve many queries or problems what's the benefit of having them talk to someone who can maybe start to upsell build relationships make connections human contact intimacy is 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 broader uh, a broader topic that i think will become more important as we as we don't have to do it we we must want to do it for specific reasons so, Tom, we're going to wrap up. It sounds like Sean had a good ending theme. Do you have any any closing thoughts for this episode? Closing thoughts. Um, well, I guess from from my one story that I started with, if if you are going into next year and you're B two B and you're wondering if it's time to experiment with building your brand pull through for your brand by advertising or uh, marketing directly to end users, it might be time. It might be time. I think that's one closing thought. And I just think with the, the whole Barnes and Noble thing, because we all found that to be such a fascinating story is there is a path for mature products, even in markets where there are tough competitors. There, there, there just is. There's, there's, ways to, there's ways to win. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even with Taylor Swift, I mean, that's a, that's an age old industry and uh, she's somehow figured out how to do different in, in a mature market as well. So um, we obviously are going to uh, share our next set of stories on the next episode. So thank you very much. Thank you.